And just one uh, announcement, if I don't do it now, I tend to get momentum building and, and blow right past it. Uh, but I just want to acknowledge, some of you know, some of you don't, um, but we've had issues with our sound system for quite some time since we came back and started trying to do worship. And I just wanted to acknowledge that um, on Wednesday of this week, Spence Farmer, who is a volunteer, came in and literally spent over 12 hours here uh, trying to get things back to where they needed to be with the help of a professional. Steve Eddy came in as soon as he got out of work and helped uh, as well. And I just wanted to acknowledge that, uh, again, so many of you go above and beyond, um, and I can't always acknowledge it, but this is one of those times where it just mentions things. So would you just say thank you to Spence? So. <clears throat> So, uh, wishing and hoping, um, wondering if anyone else remembers a song from the mid-60s by Dusty Springfield. Uh, some of you are immediately singing it in your head, but it started with those words, wishing and hoping, thinking and praying. And I touched on it a little bit last week, but when things are tough, uh, each one of those words has a place in our lives. It is certainly time to wish for things to be better. There is a place for hoping for a brighter future. There is a time to think about what needs to change. And of course, by all means, we need to pray for God's direction and intervention. But I would suggest to you today, as important as those words are, we shouldn't stop with wishing, hoping, thinking, and praying. For me, sometimes when things are difficult and or confusing, it's helpful to get back to basics and think about putting first things first. As this message has developed over the past couple of weeks, I've shifted a bit from where I originally intended to go, so I trust you'll indulge me with a little pastoral privilege. Uh, not that you have a choice other than to get up and leave right now. Uh, but um, I know I've sounded... A bit like a broken record, since we're talking about the 60s, I can talk about records. Uh, but I know I sounded a bit like a broken record, and if you don't know what that means, we'll have a discussion afterwards. But um, the fact that so much of the world around us is in varying degrees of upheaval, I found myself wondering, what might it look like to move beyond wishing and hoping? Since so much seems to be out of control in what direction should we move as Christ followers? This pondering led me to the thought that perhaps individually we need to be intentional about embracing, wishing, hoping, thinking, and praying while being equally intentional about moving into being and doing. Perhaps I cannot turn back the clock to a pre-COVID world But I can be the person God created me to be, even in the midst of a pandemic. Perhaps I may not know the answers to bridging the racial divide or how to cross the aisle of partisan politics. But I can do the things that Scripture calls me to do when relating to the other people that he created. And for me, it is important to always remember, no matter how vehemently I disagree with someone's policy, politics, opinions, 
They are created by God. So what might it look like to put first things first? Or to phrase it another way, what is God calling me to be and do? Since we've just spent a few weeks looking at what is called the Great Commission, I thought a good transition into being and doing would be a quick look today at what is called the Great Commandment. And again, many of you are familiar with it. I often gravitate toward Matthew's version of it, but today we're going to look at Mark's version. Mark chapter 12, verse 28. We read, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Notice that Je- noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. The second part of that we're going to unpack over the next several weeks, but we're going to zero in on the first part of that today. And I don't think I'm taking too much creative liberty when I look back at verse 28 and and suggest that rather than which of these commandments is the greatest, I think it would be fair to say, what are the most important things for me to be and to do? And again, just stop and pause there for a moment and wonder what might it look like for you to look Jesus in the eyes and ask him the question, what are the most important things for me to be and to do? Before I go back and unpack verse 30 a bit, I want to remind you, as I said last week, right now I'm all about asking questions. And probably it's because I realize I don't have any answers, so the best thing I can do is ask questions. But over the next few weeks, uh, as we look at being and doing in relationship to what are often called the one another's of Scripture, um, I'm going to repeatedly challenge you to ask yourself the same three questions. I'm going to ask you over and over and over and over again. Nod your heads. Over and over and over and over again. As you've heard me say countless times over the years, when something's repeated, there's oftentimes a really good reason. And so the, the three questions are, the first one is, what would it like for me, what would it look like for me to, if we talk about be kind to one another, what would it like for, what would it look like for me to be kind to others? Uh, the second one is what needs to change for me to, alright? So what needs to change in order for me to be kind to one another? And that's a ways down the road, so I'm using that one. And then finally, how might it influence others if I were to? So as I said, you're gonna hear those over and over and over again. And I simply encourage you to begin to integrate that kind of thought process into moving from hearing Scripture to applying Scripture, moving from reading Scripture to applying it, moving from asking God to taking action in your spiritual lives. And please understand, I'm going to ask those questions how many times? At least. All right. Um, But please understand, I'm not going to try to give you answers to those questions for your life. What I will do is give some examples or thought starters in the hope 
that they will help you begin the process of sorting out your unique path forward. Because each of us, that answer will look a little bit different. Whether you're new to the idea of following Jesus or you've been on the journey for decades, I simply encourage you to start where you're at and ask yourself questions like that and then look at where it takes you. Please, 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 please don't beat up on yourself or be discouraged. Just decide to take a step forward. So let's go back to first things first. By wrestling with and applying the great commandment to our lives. And again, the first thing Jesus said as a part of this great commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart. Now, for me, and and you can interpret this differently, that's awesome. Just understand why you interpret it that way. But, But when I think about loving the Lord with all of my heart, I think about my emotions. And I've told you before that for me, for many years on my spiritual journey, I was all about the intellectual part. And again, not judging anybody else by my low standards, but as a male... I had an issue with having emotions other than anger. So, and usually that's not the best relationship to have with God. So I just tended to neglect the heart aspect. And for me, again, this may be different for you, but for me, as I began to lean into God and began to to feel his weight of conviction, I can still remember where I was at. Um, and where I was at doesn't matter, but I was in a worship setting, and it was, I didn't hear an audible voice, but it was as if God impressed heavily, ever have that impressed heavily on your heart. God saying, Steve, I know that you love me, but I don't feel like you love me. And I realized that I needed to figure out what it would look like for me to show God my feelings of love and appreciation for him. And I will be very candid with you, that is a journey that continues. My default approach in relating to him is intellectual. The whole heart thing, that's tough. So for me, and this is different for every one of us, but for me to love the Lord with all of my heart means I have to be intentional about choosing to and allowing myself to tap in to what it feels like to love the Lord. So what would it look like for you to love the Lord your God with all of your heart? What would need to change in order for you to love the Lord your God with all of your heart? And how might it influence others if they were to see you increasingly love the Lord your God with all of your heart? And I'm just going to pause right there. And I suspect if you've been in church for a reasonable length of time, you've probably heard this passage a number of times. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, and so on and so forth. But I wonder how often do we just settle in and really wrestle with what it would look like for us to actually apply it? What would it look like? What would need to change for it to happen and again, what kinds of a diff- kind of a difference would it make? Next, Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all of your soul. And again, let me just say, I've said it before, 
Most of you have seen countless illustrations and examples. I am not a scholar. I'm not a philosopher. I'm not a theologian. I'm just a guy. So for me, it's like when it talks about soul, for me, I interpret that. And you probably have a better definition. That's awesome. You run with your definition. But for me, I just think about the core of my being. What would it look like for me to love the Lord, my God, at the very core of my being? And again, I ask those questions. What would it look like for me to do that? What would need to change for me to do that? And and again, I'm giving illustrations not so that you do the same thing. I'm doing illustrations so that you wrestle with this for yourself. And I'm going to use a simple illustration. And again... I know lots of you do similar things to what I do, but I'm going to use an illustration from building a presentation. And so when we work on a presentation, generally we start with a blank slide. So uh, you can't see it, but on the screen back there in Matthew, in front of Matthew, there's actually a slide there, but there's just nothing on it. And so for today, then I drop in scripture, all right? And so we got the scripture verse, and we're, we're working toward it, and then... We bring in an image, but the challenge is, now that the image is there, I can't see the scripture, all right? So, Matthew showed me a better way to do this this morning, but the way I've always done it then is if I right-click, and it gives me these options, and you notice the highlight option, it says bring to front, all right? So it's saying, take this part of my slide, or work with me here, this part of my life, and bring it to the front. And so then when I do that, I end up with this. The other stuff's there, but I've brought God to the forefront. And so when I think about loving the Lord my God with all of my soul, it challenges me to be intentional, thoughtful, strategic, and disciplined to bring him to the front. Because I suspect it will not surprise any of you to say, over the course of our lives, countless things, countless good things, and countless not-so-good things, and countless flat-out bad things, will all seek to push him to the background. For me to love the Lord my God with all of my soul means that I have to be intentional. Maybe it's an everyday thing when I get up, you know, I go to the bring to front button and say, come on, come on back up to the front. Maybe it's during the course of the day repeatedly when I realize all of a sudden all I see is the colorful background or all I see is a blank slide. I say, oh, time to bring him to the front. So again, that, that's, that's me. But for you, what would it look like for you to intentionally love the Lord your God with all your soul, with the very core of your being? What would have to change in order for that to take place? And how might it influence others? Again, If you have ever had the privilege of spending time with someone 
who was passionately loving the Lord their God with all of their soul, it can be an incredibly contagious experience. Just like if you're with someone who is just doing the totally opposite, it can suck the life out of you. And again, the question is, the command we have is to love the Lord our God with all of our soul in such a fashion that it breathes life not only into us, but into the lives of others. The third thing Jesus said was, love the Lord your God with all of your mind. What would it look like for me to love the Lord my God with all of my mind? What would, it, what would need to change? How might it influence others? I can just tell you, and again, this is just my experience, yours will be totally different, and it should be. But this one, of the four, this was the easiest one for me to answer right now. And, and I'll just explain it this way. Have any of you ever had a toothache? Everybody? Okay. Have you ever had, I mean, a real toothache? You know, one that it feels like it's screaming at you every time your heart beats. Hey, I'm here. Hey, I'm here. Recently, everywhere I turn, God is pounding me with for me to love him with all my mind. I have to trust him. My devotional reading, I, I read several different devotionals. Every one of them is just pounding on trust. Reading scripture, every passage I read, it's like, really? Come on, Lord. Then I decide, well, devotional reading, okay, scripture reading, so I'll do some professional reading. Guess what? Trust. 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 Now, I'm not saying for you to love the Lord your God with all of your mind, it's trust. For you, it's probably something very, very different. But allow God to speak to you. And as I said, that's just my issue. But often when we're intentional about seeking his direction, he will make it incredibly obvious. And so again, what would it look like for you to love the Lord your God with all of your mind? For some of you, it may be you spend less time thinking about other stuff and you spend more time thinking about his stuff. For some of you, it might be something totally different. But I just cannot help, I cannot emphasize strongly enough, I want you to wrestle with, what would it look like for you? Imagine being able to look Jesus in the face and say, yep, yes, I have been loving you with all of my heart. I am loving you with all of my soul. And I am loving you with all of my mind. Then finally, Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your strength. What would it look like for you to love the Lord your God with all of your strength? What needs to change for you to love the Lord your God with all of your strength? And again, 
I can't speak to this for you, but I feel fairly comfortably, fairly, excuse me, fairly comfortable in saying, for many of us, one of the starting places, if I'm loving the Lord my God with all of my strength, it probably means I need to stop giving him my leftovers. And I need to start giving myself to him first. I need to start carving out margin so that I have strength to give him. I, I know you've had the experience. You, you've had an incredibly long day. You're coming home exhausted. And you get home and there's something that needs to be addressed. And you just think, oh, I just have nothing left to give. I'm concerned that for many of us, because we have no margin in our lives, when it comes to having something to give to him, we're just tapped out. And the best we can do is just kind of show up. What would it look like for you to love the Lord your God with all of your strength? I remember, this is just ancient history. I suspect Diana may be the only one here who was, who would even remotely have a chance of remembering it. But I remember we literally taught classes and taught messages on how to get ready for church on Sunday. You know, it, our biblical heritage from the Jewish culture, they had the Sabbath. And they were very, very disciplined about preparing in advance so that they could focus and give God, love God with all of their strength. We talked about, gee, if you're exhausted when you come to church on Sunday, maybe if you went to bed earlier on Saturday. I know that's a stretch. But maybe I might have something more to give. Just a thought, not that I saw any of you nodding out, because I yelled at you. I, that was my goal, all right? But but just stop and think. What would it take? For others of us, it might be, and again, I hate to step on toes, but it might just be getting physically healthy. It's awfully hard for me to love the Lord my God with all of my strength if I'm just plain weak. Just saying. Something to think about. And again, I, I, I'm, I know that I'm pounding on this. But I suspect many of us have heard that passage over and over and over and over again. But we've not ever changed anything. So, wishing, hoping, thinking, praying. At some point, we got to start being and doing. <clears throat> when looking to lean into being and doing, lest I leave us on a negative note, it's really helpful to remember who you are and whose you are. And I, I just want to pause there. Remember what I said earlier about repeating stuff? I'd finished this draft of my notes early this week. And then Thursday, 
I was doing some reading, and yes, we were reading about trust, but it was it was in a totally different context. The author literally used that exact phrase about it's been important to remember who you are and whose you are. And so as you think today about loving the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength, I just want to remind you, you are God's chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Let me, let me repeat that. You, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Rather than close in prayer at this time, I'm going to have the worship team come up and lead us in a couple of songs. And then after they're done, I will come back up and close in prayer. You can be seated. Please join me in attitude of prayer. As you settle in and enter into his presence, just remind you of those two songs, Come As You Are. We don't have to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength in order to earn his love because he's already given it. We, we couldn't love him without his love being bestowed upon us. But I think about the only way we can love him completely and be completely his is to continually lean in to what it looks like for us to love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So, Father, as we come into your presence in that mindset, so much, so much said in those two songs. So much said in that one simple passage of Scripture. Realistically, we will spend our entire faith journey seeking to fully live that out. But you are with us every step of the journey. And Father, I pray that you will stir in each and every one of us a desire to answer those questions in a way that is personally relevant, in a way that helps us to daily, increasingly, be and do all that you set before us and all that you desire for us and all that you desire to do through us. So, Father, I do, in a season that is filled with wishing and hoping and thinking and praying, I pray that we will increasingly be a people who are also being who you created us to be and doing what you created us to do as we relate to you, as we relate to those who share our faith journey, and as we relate to the world around us. Because I believe that is what you've called us to do and to be. I do believe that is the great commandment. And so, Father, we ask that you would continue to speak to our hearts. You would continue to equip and empower us. In Jesus' name, amen.
Just quickly, by way of community concerns, a reminder that uh, on uh, the Saturday, February 20th, we're offering a membership class. If you've not been through membership training class before, I strongly encourage you uh, to give consideration to making that happen. If that time and date does not work for you and you still have an interest in that, please see me and we'll see what else we can work out. Uh, excited that youth group resumes face-to-face today uh, down in the green room. Uh, so immediately following service, uh, there are some sign-up sheets if you want to help with... Um, group leadership. If you want to help by providing a meal or whatever else, please be sure you see that. And I'm told Caring Connections is coming up February 18th. And there's information in the lobby. There's slides up there with regard to that. So just encourage you to make note of that as well. So on that note, I'll leave it to the worship team.